Welcome to the Super Sexy Podcast, where every other week we get together to speculate as to the sex lives of superheroes. It's locker room talk for nerds, geeks, fanboys, and any and all aficionados of pop culture. We are so not woke that the laughing gas in our corsage will put you straight to sleep. I'm your host, the cowboy of crime, Matthew J. Therio. With me, as always, is the mathematician who laughs, Andy Taylor. We are the Super Sexy Podcasters. How's it going, Andy? Good. How are you doing? I am doing excellent. I cannot complain. And when our listeners are listening to this right now, it is going to be my single favorite time of the year. It is better than Christmas. It is better than New Year's. It is better than Cinco de Mayo and Halloween and May the 4th all put together. It is New York Comic Con. Yeah, that... Unfortunately, you'll not be able to attend uh, this year. Is that correct, Andy? Yeah, unfortunately, I can't. Um, I'm pretty much uh, isolated up here and uh, won't be able to like ha- be able to ride around, drive down there. But uh, maybe next year, if uh, we're able to grow the podcast a little bit, uh, we'll be able to afford a panel of our own. Maybe record the Super Sexy Podcast live. That sounds hey, awesome. I- I, I am friends with an event coordinator. I know exactly who to talk to to make it happen. Just a matter of money. Really? Oh, okay. That's- oh, yeah. Stre- first stretch goal for Patreon whenever we launch that. That's awesome. But uh, if you're listening to this today, uh, and it's the day we've uploaded, yeah, come find me at Comic-Con. Uh, I will be dressed as Hesker Eschaton on the booze cruise. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, another big thing happening when uh, folks are listening to this, and it's the reason we've chose as our topic today, the gangster of love himself, the man who laughs, the clown at midnight, the Joker. And that is the new Joaquin Phoenix movie. Coming out right around this time. Oh, I can't wait for that. Oh, my God. It has been getting some rave reviews. I am surprised. Yeah, it is. It, it he they they say he just embodied this character. Like it's 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 a whole new. It's it's not even Heath Ledger's like uh, Joker. It's like it's a new Joker. You know, that's what I really look forward yeah. to. So on our next podcast, uh, actually it'll probably be in another uh, two or three, considering we do a lot of these uh, well in advance. We'll uh, once we've both seen it, as soon as we do, we will record uh, and give our thoughts on the movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm definitely going to review that. I have to talk about that. (laughs) Yep, but uh, let's get into the super sexy news right now, Andy. Robert Pattinson might not be jacked for the upcoming Batman movie. That is just wrong. According to uh, comic book news, uh, take it for whatever comic book news is, you know. See, I, I, I take real umbrage with any actor that is less Physically intimidating, less in shape, less muscular than myself. Like I knew I could have kicked Andrew Garfield's ass circa Amazing Spider-Man number two. That's just wrong. Imagine, imagine Zachary Levi, you know, in a muscle suit. Okay, but Robert Pattinson like that. Robert Pattinson. The only thing that would have redeemed his performance is he'd be pulled a uh, 
Ben Affleck and actually put on the muscle. Yeah, you know, you're right. Yeah, because otherwise he's just, you know, some weird-looking goth kid from some chick film. Yeah, I, I honestly, he needs to pack. Uh, he, he has that face, that 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 gauntness. You know, it just he doesn't look intimidating. You know, not at all. Bruce Wayne, his superpower is literally being the best at everything, which means also the most physically capable man on earth. He is supposed to be an Olympic level athlete. You know, in every single category of competition. And that's the only way it is halfway believable that Batman could take on someone like Superman. You know, he needs not just the stratagem and the tactics and the intelligence and the raw money that's going to buy kryptonite and whatnot. He also needs that physical prowess. Yeah, I, I, honestly, it's like it's, it's hard to place Batman, this Batman in the same universe as Superman. You know, you you can't you can't imagine. It's almost as if it's going to be isolated with uh, Batman's rogue gallery. You know, if I feel like I could take on Batman and win, I'm not going to believe in the movie when he beats up the Joker or whomever it is that he's supposed to be fighting in that film. Oh yeah, who is supposed to be the villain? I heard it's going to be based on uh, the Long Halloween, so that would be a real rogues gallery. That's not just uh, any one villain. Although, it is Calendar Man that is like the main villain behind all that. I Honestly, I wanted to see something more about him. Because when I played the Arkham games, I he was only there. Like He was like, you find it, he was like that secret guy underneath the, uh, the basement, you know? If I recall from the original Arkham Asylum, Calendar Man actually has some sort of mini side quest related to each and every holiday in real time. So that if you log in on Christmas or if you log in on Easter... That'll actually like be some sort of quest available. Really, I could be misremembering this. Oh man, I and I got rid of my. I, well, I unloaded down, uh, deleted my games off my system because it was just taking up too much memory. Now, I, I could just be pulling that out of my ass. That could have been like an idea I had that they ought to do. I, I didn't ever specifically go back on holidays. That's not how I play video games. No, I don't. I don't either. I when I'm I'm like, oh, I'm bored. What is it? What's up now? You know. Exactly. Or, hey, I'm at work and the bosses are gone. Let me pull out the Switch. <laughs> that's how I've been playing Astral Chain. Oh, that's awesome. I can't really do that at my work. So uh, let's move on to the next news item. Okay, so the next one is Birds of Prey will be rated R. Now that is encouraging news. Not that I ever respect you know, the MPAA for writing any movie, any rating, that I don't value their opinion whatsoever. But... Uh, I do value that the studios had the gumption, the balls, like the creative vision to stick by knowing that they were going to lose revenue in the face of those six bastards from the MPAA. The, the thing about the, the, the being rated R is that they're willing to, to go that extra step because in PG-13, they always have to pull back. You know, when I was watching yeah. um, Logan, uh, uh, who was it? Uh, Hugh Jackman actually said, in an interview, you know, the, the difference between R rated and PG comes down to penetration and it, it comes down to how you see the blades, uh, not just come out, but also go into the person. And if you, if they jump cut and they, they switch to the back, uh, real quick, uh, then that's going to be like a PG, uh, 13 movie. Cause you'll see it come out. But if you can actually see the blades go in and enter the person, that's penetration. That's rated R penetration. Yeah. That's why you, that's why you could see all the stuff like uh, everything is like uh, yeah. Anyways, yeah, go ahead. Penetration. 
Also, the difference between R and NC-17. Yes, that's true. <laughs> Different kind of penetration. But yeah, it's it. Everything that you saw in that trailer, that R-rated, or uh, that that Red Band trailer, that was essentially they were basically saying this is R-rated. So when we see in uh, Birds of Prey, you'll know it's it's R-rated by the way that trailer is. You'll be like, oh shit, they went that extra step. And, and I love the full name of the film. Do you have that for us, Andy? Birds of Prey or the Immaculate uh, Emancipation – oh, no, the Emancipation of One Immaculate uh, Harley Quinn. Yeah, that, that is just a phenomenal title for a film. It's, it's that last part. It's like they, they – well, first, I think they, they, they even put the, 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 the second part as the main title, and then eventually they changed it to Birds of Prey with the second part being like a – after a semicolon or a colon. Oh, is it? That's a shame. Okay, so the next one is J.J. Uh, Abrams and uh, – James Gunn are to take charge of the DCE, DCEU, according to WeGotThisCover.com. Now, what is your opinion on this? I'm not a fan of JJ. I, I have mixed feelings on the man. Uh, I loved his reboot of the Star Trek franchise. I thought, wow, if this is what he is doing to Star Trek, essentially making it the best Star Wars movie ever made, imagine what he could do for Star Wars. And he, he did to Star Wars, I, I feel about that film, what so many other fans feel about uh, The Last Jedi. I hate The Force um, uh, Awakens. I was about to say The Force Unleashed, but that was a phenomenal game. Uh, the Force Awakens, I think, was just utterly uninspired. It was so much of a ripoff of the original films, but just worse. And I'll give him one more shot with Episode Nine, but if he can't clean up his act like... I, I'm not going to have a lot of confidence going forward with the DCU. James Gunn, on the other hand, uh, I've also got mixed feelings about him. I think the two Guardians of the Galaxy movies, phenomenal, immaculate, some of the best of the MCU. But I also think he bitched out in his apology. I think he should have stood by, you know, and said, look, all you people trying to get me fired, I, I'm just not going to apologize to all y'all because... These are tactics that, you know, we should not reward in today's society. Like, what you're doing, trying to deplatform me, you know. Cancel culture. It, cancel culture. Yeah, I'm just not going to give oxygen to that fire. I, I think he should have stood up to those bullies, and he did not, unfortunately. Well, all right. And it, JJ, oh, it's, so you, you mentioned Star Wars. It's Star Trek you happen to like, but what, what happened, what I think he did – along with Robert Orkai, is like almost an abomination. Because if you actually understand the lore of Star Trek, you understand what he did and what they did, you realize they, they massacred it. They did, they just destroyed the, the continuity. Oh, it's definitely not a Star Trek movie. That's why I said it's my favorite Star Wars movie up until that point. He, he turned it into exactly the other thing. But I'm also a fan of Star Wars over Star Trek, so oh, okay. I feel like I got a good movie at the expense of the fans of the actual product. I definitely understand the objection. Yeah, because Star Star Trek for me, it was like they they instead of like having uh, Kirk go uh, have 15 years in um, Starfleet and go on three ships, they suddenly had him become a captain straight out of school. So we're going from like a, an ensign lieutenant junior grade lieutenant lieutenant commander commander and then captain he's going to skip all those ranks and go straight to captain and become a captain of a starship right out of like cadet school that is literally my father's objection immediately after seeing that film for the first time i was time. like i can understand they're they're going they're going to different gal different uh parts of the uh um uh 
uh, galaxy. They're 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 visiting like they're going faster than light. I can believe that, okay? But jumping right out of cadet school and going straight to captain of a ship—that is the dumbest thing. And suddenly they just jammed everybody's age around the same time. There was a broad range of ages on the ship, you know. And, and not just captain of a ship. Captain of the brand new ship, like the top of the line, the crown jewel. Exactly. Like he served on three ships before he even got, I believe he served on three ships before he even got to the uh, Enterprise. And he was like the last one, he was like a a commander and then he got promoted to captain and he went to uh, basically run his own ship. He was like first officer or something. It was like there was a story behind him. He had gone through and like, you know, been on several ships and knew different people and it's just it was like you can't you can't unfuck this you know you you put it at, you made it continuity you made it canon sorry canon and you just i don't know i'm i'm really hurt by it, it, it yes it does hurt the verisimilitude i will give you that much moving on to our final story though. yes go ahead kfc has introduced a dating simulator I love you, Colonel Sanders, a finger-looking-good dating simulator in which, I forget, what is the uh, male equivalent of a waifu, husbando? In which they turn the Colonel Sanders into an anime boy husbando that you have to, like, uh, try to date. And there's, like, a, you know, you're basically, like, a, in a culinary school and you're making recipes, and you're talking to other people like, uh, it's a dating simulator. And that got me thinking, why is like a dating element not in every single video game, you know, just that there is? It made Mass Effect better, it made Fire Emblem better, it made Persona better. I think a dating element, not as a whole game, but just as an element, could make every single video game potentially better. And I was talking to some of my fans about this, and uh, they gave some examples in which they thought, no, these are counterexamples. These are going to be things that would not be better with dating elements. And I'm going to read some of them, and I still think each one of these games better with a dating sim attached. One of my uh, fans said, Dead Space. Another, Tetris. Tetris, mind you, is a shit game. I don't know why it is so popular and well-selling. Like, yes, it would absolutely be better with some story elements and dating sims and some waifus. Another one said Super Columbine Massacre RPG, the game that was pulled from Steam for being the most offensive game ever made. Date some of the high school girls before the gunman comes. I, I can see that being an element of that game. Spec Ops The Line, you know, the one where you are basically a war criminal without even realizing it. That's based... Partially on uh, Hearts of Darkness and Apocalypse Now. I could see that being improved by a dating sim. The funniest one I've seen, that dragon cancer. The one that was made by the husband and wife team, you know, as a way of mourning their son that passed away through cancer. I I can see adding some dating element where you play as the father and you drift away from the mom and you're looking a, you know, Sate your grief for your dead child by dating around much younger women. Every single game can be improved by dating. That's just my two cents. 
But you won't even have to pay two cents for KFC dating. I love you, Colonel Sanders, a figure-looking good dating simulator. It is free on Steam as of the time of this recording. So that's the thing. Why don't we move on to our next segment, the Super Sexy Predictions. Take it away, Andy. Okay, so uh, I've come up with a, a, a fair number of predictions for uh, the upcoming MCU and uh, Phase 4. And uh, the the first one is like all the scenes that happened in the uh, where that where they went and they changed the timeline in Avengers Endgame will be the, some of the basis for the episodes in the What If series. Uh, specifically, Captain America says "Hail Hydra" and then fights himself. Uh, this will be mistaken for uh, he'll be mistaken for a Hydra agent, and uh, this will be the basis for the Captain Hydra episode. Another one is when War Machine... I do think you are incorrect there, uh, insofar as that is a real uh, storyline in the MCU where Captain America really was a Hydra agent, and I do think... Or not MCU, but in the comics themselves. Yeah. And I think that the MCU's What If will adapt that straightforward, because I think that Captain America, at the end of Endgame, successfully brought the stones back so that none of the timelines were changed. Like, that was the whole premise there that, you know, they would be changed unless, you know, he was to bring the stones back. Well, here's the thing. I, I had it so that uh, he did it because um, he had to return the stones after they had taken them. Immediately after so that nothing would change. Okay, so I was going to say, like, if, like, in between that time, like that, that say, five-minute interval or something, there's like a, like, well, what if something changed and stuff? But it, it, it doesn't have to be for, like, all the episodes. It was just like, I was thinking maybe they, they happen to know, because when he returns the stone, Captain America is still going to be there. And so they're going to look at him like, What's going on? You know, like, uh, like, hey, Captain, are you still with us? Because I, I figured MC or Disney is going to find some way to shoehorn or bring in Captain Hydra, and that would be the way they do it. And even when Captain comes back with the the, the stone and gives it back, it's not going to change the way that people view because they're going to be it, it, he has to return the stone after it's been taken, not before it's been taken. You know what I think, Andy? Yeah, I think we ought to make a bet on it. Okay, and. Let's uh, hash out the terms of the bet. If the Captain Hydra episode is premised, like you're saying, on wh- what do you want to say? Like uh, this being a this being the timeline in which you know Captain America and the rest of the Avengers had gotten back in time as part of the Endgame time heist. If that is related in the foundation of the Hydra episode, what what are what am I buying you? Okay, all right, so. I already know that the What If series is supposed to be animated. Right, absolutely. It's gonna that's gonna be sort of a hamper on my my prediction. How so? They'll you reuse some of the scenes, but they'll have to go in a direction where it's gonna be uh, animated. So it could have been completely different than what I what am I actually thinking? So, but I will I will uh, hammer down. Well, you're saying it's based on plot. You know, your clients aren't based on you know whether it's animated or live action. Yeah, you're just saying that it's going to because this is all part of the MCU. What if is part of like the whole Marvel universe? So it shouldn't make a difference whether that's animated or live action. Got it. Perfect. Okay. So, um, all right. Uh, oh man, I, I really don't have. What, what What do you think we should start with? Like, what, what's just just something small like a, a food bet, like a pizza or a burger or something like that? Uh, yeah, actually, I'll, I'll order you uh or. A comic book. Like, I need you to read Lost Girls anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, We probably should have figured this out off air. Yeah, we should have. Because, uh, honestly, th- this is something we like. We have to hammer down, you know? Yeah. We'll, we'll, 
we've got a lot of time before this comes out. We'll uh, hash it out off air. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, so we, my question is, is when um, Captain came back and returned all the stones back, that those events still happened. Like Quill still got knocked out by War Machine and Nebula. That is correct. So he woke up and that Power Stone was still there. So what happened to the um, to Korath and all the other Cree uh, that were basically coming um, after Quill when he was on Morag? You know what happened in between there? What what? what? Right, he should Korath the Pursuer should have caught up in that time. Exactly, like, he should be more hot on his heels. Exactly. So and the Power Stone is now probably in the hands of Korath, which is going to change how the Guardians of the Galaxy are going to get together because Quill is going to like well probably not get arrested now. He'll not have a reason to go to. Um, Xandar. Xandar, yeah, he didn't. It, it, it will change everything. It is definitely possible. So, if the what if episode of Captain Hydra is premised on the time heist from Endgame, you are going to win something. If not, I'm going to win something. We'll figure that out and get back to everyone later. Yes. But now we are moving on to today's topic the gangster of love, which you understand the reference there, right? Gangster love, uh. Uh, Maurice? <laughs> yes, exactly. But do you know the name of that song? Um, no. Well, the Joker by the Steve Miller Band. Oh shit! Some people call me a space cowboy. Some call me the gangster of love. Some people call me Maurice because I speak with the pompous of love. I'm a sinner. I'm a winner. So I, I forget the rest of the lyrics. But you know, he's saying I, I'm a Joker. I'm a smoker. I'm the midnight toker. Get my loving on the run. But yeah, the name of that song is The Joker. And The Joker is a gangster, and we are talking about his sex life. So the gangster of love, that is the, the pun there. So, speaking of The Joker, his first appearance, Batman number one, which, as we explained in the Catwoman episode, not the first appearance of Batman. That came like a year after he was introduced. Now, he was modeled after, and I am going to butcher this name, Gwynplaine in The Man Who Laughs, uh, which was an old film uh, based off the book by uh, Victor Hugo, as portrayed by Conrad Veet. And Conrad Veet in that movie just had such like a horrifying permanent grin that you know it inspired Bill Finger and the rest of the creators of Batman to create this arch nemesis for Batman in the form of Joker. Now, fast forward a couple uh, decades to the Dark Side War by Jeff Johns, and you see Batman in the Mobius chair, you know, and he is God Batman at this point because he has omniscience, knowledge of everything that has ever taken place, but he has to focus. So he asks the chair, who is the Joker? Who is his true identity? And finally, after all these decades, fans were going to find out. And what the chair told him? There are three. Basically, this arc enemy that he thought he had all this time has been three different individuals without him even knowing it. Now, that's not the only time that uh, surprise has been pulled. Very recently in Sean Murphy's Batman White Knight, the real name of the Joker, at least in that universe, was revealed. And it was revealed to be Jack Napier, the exact same as it was in the 89 Batman film, Vetran Jack Nicholson. 
However, there it's not that there are multiple Jokers. It's that there are multiple Harlequins. And we're going to get to that in a second. But first, let's speculate about uh, his powers, personality, and performance in the bedroom. Okay. What uh, What are your thoughts on all this? Um. All right. Well, straight off the bat, he's a sadist. You know, he's only in it for his own gratification. Um. He d- agreed. Yeah. He he is not. He he only he's only going to satisfy himself, and um, he's going to let you think you're he's sat you're satisfying yourself, but you're probably not. You know, if he even cares to let you exactly, think that. yeah. You know, it's like Harley Quinn must probably have to get off herself if to get off at all. I, I do suspect that he is somewhere between asexual and a sadist. That if the Joker had ever come in his life, it's only through inflicting pain. It is not through the normal means of achieving orgasm. Yeah, like when he beat uh, Jason Todd. You know, I, I'm sure he probably come came in his pants. You know. I never considered that, but it is a strong likelihood now that you mention it. That That's now canon. Uh, uh, so, uh, obviously, he doesn't have any powers that are going to affect uh, his performance. His personality, you know, I think we covered that. So, yeah, I think we are in agreement that uh, the Joker is just not a sexual creature. And that even if, you know, his sadism gets him off, I don't even think getting off is the motivation for it. I, I think he is, yeah... I think he is just crazy in all other kinds of ways. Yeah, he he's he's beyond like insane. Like I don't even know how to like define him. Like he's 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 beyond anything. So let's get into his love interests across all media, starting of course with the most famous of all, Harley Quinn, aka Doctor Harleen Quinzel. Now she was originally created by Bruce Timm and Paul Dini for the Batman animated series, which. Very unusual. Most of the characters we're talking about always have their origins in the comics. She is one of the rare ones to have such a successful debut in another medium that she was brought into the comics and given her own series on multiple occasions. So that is quite the splash that she made. Uh, now, both her given name of Harley Quinn, or of Harleen Quinzel, and her moniker of Harley Quinn derive from and are plays on the word Harlequin. You know, which is a stock character out of Commedia dell'art. Uh, basically, I like this uh, Italian kind of, uh, you know, circus art kind of. It's weird. I, I was researching into it briefly, and it's kind of very hard to explain. Uh, but it's also out of this uh, Commedia dell'art from which she derives her iconic first outfit, the red and black checkered motley, as it's called, of a traditional jester. Now, in the Arkham games, this was changed to that uh, Gothic Lolita-inspired corset, which you uh, remember, uh, which in turn inspired her original costume in the New 52. Then, following uh, DC Rebirth, now her attire reflects more the scantily clad ensemble first seen in the film Suicide Squad. Not the Suicide Squad we were just talking about, the first one. Even though they're not calling the new one number two for some reason. <laughs> yeah, I think they, they, they dropped the the or they added the the or something like that. It's like a, that's the only difference in the titles. Yeah, you would think after how bad that film was, they'd want to rebrand a lot, but evidently not. <laughs> I mean, well, there were some standout characters, so they had to bring people back. True, especially Margot Robbie. And, and Amanda Waller. She nailed it. Eh, no, I disagree there, but we'll, we'll get into that fight later on. Now, her... Harley Quinn, her original Harley Quinn aesthetic 
was a natural complement to the circus-inspired motif of her boss and boyfriend, the Joker. Now, it was while working as a psychiatrist at Arkham Asylum that she was assigned to its most infamous inmate, as she would later know, as she would later come to call him Mr. J. Instead of curing him, he managed to drive her crazy, and not in the typical way in which all women be crazy. Their relationship has always been portrayed as abusive and one-directional. Harley fawns over the man she calls Mr. J and demonstrates an undying devotion while he is mentally manipulative of her. Besides just the Joker, Harley herself has an extensive list of love interests and being bisexual, like all women after a few drinks, these include heroines and villainesses with all, as well as heroes and villains. Most notably among these is Pamela Isley, a.k.a. Poison Ivy, with whom she has a fairly healthy relationship that serves as a stark contrast to the one with her Putin. On another occasion, she tied Nightwing to a bed. Uh, this is in the animated movie Batman and Harley Quinn, and not in a I'm kidnapping you way, definitely in the and now we're gonna get it on kind of way, which he was surprisingly into. And then on yet another occasion, she role-played with Deadshot by making him wear the mask. Or not even a mask, by making her, him wear Joker's own surgically removed face as a mask. You, you'll remember in uh, the New 52, Batman, uh, not ba uh, Detective Comics number one, he actually had uh, Mr. Pig, I believe it was, or someone like that, surgically remove his face, and then he was wearing his own face as a mask for a while. Well, Harley Quinn got it, had Deadshot wear it, and that's why she agreed to have sex with him. Oh, that is, that's bizarre. I'm not sure that I would wear Heath Ledger's uh, face as a mask or Jared Leto's in order to get with uh, Margot Robbie, but I'd consider it. I really would. Uh, that's some Texas Chainsaw Massacre fucking shit. <laughs> But it's also Margot Robbie. That's true. It's like, it's almost as if you'd be like, have to like, okay, okay she's into it. She's into it. All right, look, bang her and leave. Just bang her and leave. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've negotiated with some girls before. They're like, all right, if you want to threesome with me and another girl, I'm into it. But I want tit for tat. I want a threesome, you know, a devil's threesome with you and one of your guy friends. And I'm like, I, I know one or two guys I can give a call to. <laughs> It never never happened, but uh, yeah, I'm just saying I, I'm willing to come to the table to negotiate. Now, in uh, Batman the Animated Series, she was voiced by one Arlene Sorkin. In the Arkham games, she was voiced by the same, uh, but after that, by Tara Strong, who's probably, I would argue, the most famous uh, voice actress to play Exactly. Her. Oh my god, I love that little voice. She, she, I think she nailed it. Like in the like Kevin Conroy nailed Batman's voice. I, I would I wouldn't say it's quite analogous. You know, Kevin Conroy is Batman, but Tara Strong. There's a strong association yeah. between her and Harley Quinn, but she's portraying Harley Quinn still. Well, as, Kevin Conroy is Batman. Okay, yeah, I can see it because again, you know, when I grew up, Arlene Sorkin was in the uh, the animated series, so you know, I remember that voice too. It is quite iconic, I will say that. It's, it's almost as if it's like, uh, I, I feel should feel ashamed of myself for just, you know, wanting Tara Strong. I should also want Arlene Sorkin, you know, on that end. Hopefully they will both be in the upcoming Crisis on Infinite Earths. Oh, that would be so awesome. And we should have Tara Strong instead play Marianne Drews. And who is that, you might ask? Well, 
in the universe of Sean Murphy's Batman, whatnot, Marion Drews is the second Harlequin. After Harleen Quinzel leaves her lover, Marion assumes the identity of Harlequin. The Joker, being so divorced from reality and so disinterested in Harley, failed to notice that these were two distinct women. Now, Harleen, she had loved him despite his flaws. Marion, however, loved him because of his flaws. And she became enraged when he cured himself of being the Joker and went back to being Jack Napier. Like the original Harleen Quinzel, she loved him all the more once he became Jack. Not Marion. And she basically like took the mantle of the new arc enemy of Batman. Like in order to like woo him back to being the Joker. It's a great series. Like I know it's going to be made at least into an animated film, if not actually made into a live action. Oh, I can't believe they haven't already tried to do it. Well, it just came out, like, in the last few months. Ah, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, it's very recent. Okay. Now, I'm very excited to go on to this next one because it is so absurd. This is the equivalent of Superman dating his cousin right here. And this one is named Bruno. Now, she is one of Batman's lesser-known enemies, uh, and occasionally hired muscle by the joke. Uh, why don't you describe her, actually? Okay, so the best way to describe her would be um, Sniper Wolf or Eva from Metal Gear Solid, the game uh, from that series, or Psy from Alpha Protocol, but with a Diesel Dyke haircut. You know, just like these outrageous bubble boobs. Um, it's just, it, she looks, she would look like this, like ridis- ridiculous muscle bound blonde with a diesel dyke and, and at least, I don't know, fake breasts. It's, it's funny, but, uh, she's, tell, tell me more about these bubble boobs. All right. So these, she's best known for having, uh, on these bubble boobs, uh, swastikas tattooed on each one of her nipples. Um, and, and how are we seeing the swastikas on her nipples? Uh, they're giant. They're red. She doesn't wear a top. Exactly. She, her, her only top is the tattooed swastikas over her nipples. Otherwise, she is always topless. I, I'm just wondering what the what the right, the drawer was thinking when he was like, "What the hell am I drawing?" Now that is assuming that they are tattoos and not uh, simply, you know, uh, paint-ons. Yeah, paint-ons or like stickers or whatnot, which I, I've seen both, like in uh, other women. And, and she doesn't just have them there; she also has them on her buttocks. Interesting. Yes. Yeah. And, uh... Tell me, Andy, is that a deal breaker? Imagine there is a beautiful blonde, an Amazon of a woman with either fake or real bubble boobs. That size. We're talking, you know, D-D-D-D-D or whatnot. You know, G cup, H cup, who, who knows? Z cup or what all we know. But she is a full-blown, white supremacist, Nazi woman, swastikas tattooed, deal breaker or not? An, an Aryan Amazonian with with racist tattoos on her body. I mean, it's not the same as like, you know, banging a New Zealand, you know, Kiwi Maui person. You know, it's, oh God, you know, with tattoos all over their bodies. This is, uh. Oh, okay. I was wondering where you were going yeah, with that one. You, you, well, you've seen them with tattoos all over their bodies, you know, it's, it's, it's not quite the same. Maori war paint, like uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Had. Exactly, the, with the tattoos and, and like so you see them. Some of the people I don't think are, the women get those. Well, though. the women get some of those ones on the face where they they cover their uh, chins. 
Really? I did not know yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they get a lot of flack when they go to other countries for visits. Gotcha. All right, all right. You haven't answered the question yet. Yes. <laughs> what was the question? Deal breaker? Uh... uh... You got to think about this. Well, all right. So there's a comedian who said, you know, if you went – if a girl went to a guy's house and she, he started showing her Nazi men, memorabilia, she'd be like, I have to get the hell out of here. But if a guy went over to a girl's house and uh, she started showing her Nazi men, her Nazi men, memorabilia, he would be like, I got to bang this girl and get the hell out of here. Exactly. So exactly. I would I, – I don't think that there is a political position so extreme – that there is not a girl hot enough that I would be willing to look the other way on her politics in order to uh, yeah his but get in and out. The comedian's name was Mark Normand, and yeah, that that's essentially he nailed he nailed it for every guy. You know, he he basically explained it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I have dated some some really politically crazies in the past. I, I uh, briefly dated the. Uh, Assistant of a senator one time, in fact. And it was a senator of the opposing political party. So, yeah. Still, still she was hot enough. Well, lot, lots of children are rebels anyway, so. Oh, I, I wasn't looking to rebel against, you know, who I belonged to at the time. I'm an independent now, but at the time I was very political. I'm like, this is not ending in marriage, but it could be a fun night. And it was not. I ended up walking home alone five miles through the ghetto in the... Black Knight on Halloween, dressed as Captain America. That's a story for another time. Well, that'll have to be some other song at the bar. Exactly. Okay, and so, all right, to get back to Bruno, um, she first appeared in the uh, four-issue comic book series Batman The Dark Knight Returns, which was later turned into an animated movie. Um, she's also appeared in other comic books as well. Um, she's most famous. Uh, she was voiced by uh, Tress McNeil. Um, Tress is famous for also uh, voicing other characters, most famously being Dot Warner of the Animaniacs. Now, I know a lot of you fans out there are probably uh, all for cancel culture. Do not cancel the Animaniacs just because this woman has also voiced a big-breasted Nazi. Oh, that's – oh, I didn't even think about that. Oh, my God, you just put it in a different perspective for me. Uh, that's where we are in 2019. We've got to make that very clear, you know, with regards to cancel culture and all that. Exactly. She doesn't deserve this. Oh, my God. No, not at all. Yeah, I, I just thought of it, and you know what? Somebody out there would be like, oh, you're right. I'm offended, you know? They'll be offended for yeah. something. If you feel offended by what we're saying, go watch the new specials by Bill Burr and Dave Chappelle. Oh, brilliant. Paper Dragon was beautiful. Paper Tiger. Oh, sorry, Paper Tiger. Uh, and uh, uh, sticks and stones. Sticks and stones. They were they were perfect. They were like everything. They they I I, I if there was a a scene in uh, Paper Tiger where uh, uh, Bill Burr is talking about like you know a girl no doesn't always mean no when when a girl says no that means no but when a girl says no stop it no don't you're being bad and then twenty years later you're having it read back to you. You know, and it's like it, it's a bad lip read. It's like she said, no, please, no, stop, no. What are you doing? It's just, it, it's it's completely different. Oh, I, I was cracking up hysterically laughing. Oh, God, that was that was beautiful. That was perfect. That was exactly what it is. That's exactly a lot of situations. It, they just turn out to be, you know, bad dates or something. 
you know, bad bad situation reads, I guess. Yeah, and he was getting to there from saying, like, the Me Too movement began, like, getting all the really bad types out. Like, the guys that are walking in the room, like, you know, their cock out, hand masturbating vigorously already. Yeah, exactly. You know, jerking and, and off then, the trees. like, a few months later, it just gets to, like... Oh, I was out with Aziz Azari, and, like, it wasn't the best date. He wanted to sleep with me. I said no, and so I just went home. It was a bad fucking date. You ruined yeah, the guy's it, career. He's not, like, pressuring her or anything, like, and they canceled Aziz Azari. Dude, it was so, I felt so bad for that guy. I was like, damn, that is harsh. But he couldn't stand up for himself like he ought to have, like James Gunn ought to have, like... Kevin Hart ought I, to have. Honestly, these, you can't. These I don't men need more balls. Well, you can't. You can't defend yourself today. Not. I mean, honestly, I don't even. You could. You could try to. You can try. You, you could not give them an inch. You could not like do the apology tour. Die on your sword, that, right? Amen. Amen to that. That's how I am gonna die. I know. <laughs> oh. Had enough bad dates. Yeah. <laughs> As I tell all of our listeners. Oh man. The Super Sexy Podcast is going to make for some interesting uh, playback in the courtroom. The stenographer is just going to be typing what we're saying right now. No. Oh, God. It's going to – yeah. They're, 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 the, the and you know what? I will maintain back. my innocence. The, the, the prosecutor is going to read it back, and he's going to read it in a monotone way, and that's going to change everything, the perspective, the, the, the tone. They, they won't have to read it back. They'll just play this episode right here, right now for the listeners or for the – for the jury. <laughs> Did you ever watch uh, uh, Breaking Bad? Just the pilot. Oh, just the pilot. Okay. There was an episode where uh, I think it was the Better Call Saul guy. Uh, he had to go in and defend a guy. I think it may have been the, episode, the, the TV show Better Call Saul. And he had to defend a bunch of kids uh, basically cutting off the head of a dead person and then, like, you know, banging the head. And uh, and the he got out there and defended it, and the start the episode starts off with him just defending these kids, and goes like they didn't hurt anybody, the person was already gone, and, but he could word it in such a way to where it, like absolved the kids of like responsibility, and then all the prosecutor did was wheel out the TV and play the play the movie, and it was just them recording themselves cutting off a dead person's head and and jerking off on the head or like uh, face fucking it. It was absolutely hilarious. I, I will say this. I don't know which one was Saul, the prosecutor or the defense attorney, but I do believe even the criminals that are guilty have a genuine right to the strongest you know, defense possible under the law. Like I think that makes our legal system something that we can believe in, that if we know every single person got their day in court and it wasn't a sham trial or a kangaroo court, but like they, they really got a vigorous legal defense. That makes you really believe that when the drug says guilty that the person really is guilty beyond the shadow of a doubt exactly it should be that way and i think saul did a good job okay yeah i never even got to that character in the show oh well if you actually like listen to like how he how he spoke you be like i actually want him as my lawyer you know he's actually pretty good nice i've got a fantastic lawyer myself all pro bono oh yeah anyway yes, move yes, yes. moving on yeah you've met my lawyer yeah. <laughs> moving on uh, final final love interest, if you can call it that, Donna Gugina in uh, All-Star Batman and Robin, The Boy Wonder, number eight. It begins with Joker and Donna Gugina post-coital. They had just had sex, and she jests that he probably put something in her drink. And she's saying that, and it's kind of a wink and nod to the audience, like the reader, like, yeah, that's definitely the only reason they're fucking right now. Because she's saying, like, she doesn't normally do this at all. 
Now, Joker, he starts saying, like, oh, I know your name, Donna Gugina, even though she had never told him or whatnot. And then he starts, like, reading off her resume uh, out loud in his mind. like, And she's like, wait, how do you know who I am? And he's like, oh, I know you're, like, this crusading attorney with a reputation for prosecuting child molesters. I know there are a lot of good people that are going to miss you when you're gone. And after he says this, he starts to like choke her. He like crushes her uh, trachea so that she like can't scream. You know, she's thrashing around, but it's not making enough noise. No one's like coming to rescue her. And then as he's like choking her to death, you know, he's explaining like, hey, that fornication we just did, that wasn't love. That was filthy. That was disgusting. This, me murdering you right now, the intimacy of me being the last person that's ever going to touch you, this is love. And then he walks out, suited up, and he turns to Bruno. Big breasts hanging in the wind, swastikas on each nipple, and he tells her, dispose of Donna's body. Great scene. That was such an underrated comic, All-Star Batman and Robin. Uh, people hate it on it. I, I don't get the hate. That was beautifully drawn by Jim Lee and beautifully written. Uh, one of the last good stories written by Frank Miller before he kind of went off the deep end. And the Joker does stuff like this all the time. Like he had that one, one, uh, that one where he killed that, uh, that woman inside of an orphanage where all the babies were around, and then the babies basically just crawled in the blood or something like that at the end. What issue was that? Ah, uh, I can't remember. It was is the one where Joker killed a woman, and there was nothing but babies, and he just like left. Ah, uh, I, 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 I remember that. I, I, I don't know if you remember it. That is dark, sick, and twisted. I love it. Because the Joker ought to be. Yeah, exactly. Joker does these twisted things because everything's a sick joke for him. You know, every tragic event, tragedy and joke and comedy, the bigger the tragedy, the bigger the joke, the bigger the comedy. Now, I have a question for you, Andy, and I think I know the answer, but I got to ask it. If you could look like any live action version of the Joker, who would you look like? And, And let me give you some options here. You got Cesar Romero from Batman 66, you know, with his mustache that he just slathered the white makeup over because he refused to shave it. You got Jack Nicholson with the, yeah, with the really prominent cheek and like the weirdest smile of them all, probably. You got Heath Ledger, you know, even if you put makeup over or take the makeup off, he's still all scarred in the face. You got Jared Leto, who basically it's just the pretty boy. You got Cameron Moynihan, whoever the fuck that is I, from Gotham. I was going to say uh, Jigsaw from Saw mixed with Joker. All right, I'm going to have to take a look at this picture of him. Who is he? Uh, uh, Cameron Moynihan. Okay, yeah, I'm looking. Oh, my God, that is not a handsome guy right there. It's essentially Jigsaw and um and Joker. It was like if, if they said, oh, well, let's see if we can mix the two. You know, it's like or they reused a mask left over from from jigsaw he was like uh what, what's something cheap that we can use hey we have a leftover mask from the movie that we used to make why don't you use that yeah we could put it on this guy's face it's a perfect fit all right your very last option is joaquin phoenix from the i was about to say upcoming but as of when they're listening to this the recently released movie the joker so if you could look like any of them who are you looking like uh i i <sighs> How is this even a question in your mind? There's so many. I would have to say uh, the best one. 
Just to look like, not to be. Oh, to look just... like. Uh, I would have to say Heath Ledger. Wait, really? Yeah. You want to be all scarred up with the Glasgow smile? Yeah. You're not. You're not Heath Ledger. You're Heath Ledger's Joker, mind. Oh yeah, Heath Ledger's Joker. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I like. You are. You are not getting Margot girl Robbie looking like that. I'm going Jared Leto every day. I like the concept of him. Oh my god, I think it's great. But what, I, what? I Heath Ledger or Jared Leto? Jared Leto. I like the concept of him. I I just don't like the complete look of him. You know. Oh, I don't like his look, but he's still looking fairly normal. Like you can almost go outside society and not be taken too unseriously. Oh, like that. I mean, he doesn't yeah. have a permanent grin on his face. You know, he. I mean, he has a good body to him. Like you've seen him, like shirtless. He's got a whole bunch of tats, but otherwise, like. Yeah, he doesn't have any scars or defigurements or whatnot. Like, yeah, he's Jared Leto. He's a little goth, you know. He's a bit of a Suicide Girl version of Jared Leto, but he's still Jared Leto. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I honestly, if I, I would still have to go with Heath Ledger. I just think I, I like the more um, isolated, you know, not someone that can go to a club all the time. I actually like the more um, the conniving and planning and the big disasters and and and. I like Remember, you are not the Joker. You're not actually a terrorist. In the, you're just yourself, but you look like the Joker. Oh. So you're just, you're still a mathematician. Like, that's, you know, all you're doing. You're just going to your day job looking like the Joker. Then I would probably feel normal because someone who does math would absolutely look like the Joker going to <laughs> the Heath Ledger. Like, if you actually ever looked at some of the guys that go to a math department, some of them look like homeless guys. All right, which of these do you want on your Tinder profile? You st- you're still going Heath Ledger, aren't you? Well, the, the here's the thing: the Joker has to have that look of a of a person. He looks too normal. The Joker has to look like the Joker. Like again, we're not talking about the Joker. We're talking about how you look in the mirror, just going about your regular day. Oh well, okay. So then, I, yeah, the least. I'm sorry. The the uh, yeah, the the the. The least worst of them all, I guess, would have to be Jared Leto. All right. Just making sure not to, like, get you on my side on this. I don't care. I just wanted to make sure you understand the premise of the game going forward because we're going to be doing this week in and week out. Yeah. It's it, it's almost as like you, you – I'm – well, here's – all right. Here's the deal. When I was in college and in my abnormal psychology class, the only person that I've ever – comic book character that I've ever read about or, I mean, ever wrote about in college was the Joker. Like, I love the Joker's psychology. Like, I think that's just a fascinating psychology. Not that I would go there, you know, like I was in, in high school, I was interested in serial killers. Not that I would go there, but I was, I had that interest, you know, and it eventually led to comic books and, and the Joker is like the pinnacle, you know, it's like the, he's the apex. Oh, I very much know. Like, my uh, video on the secret origin of the Joker for Wisecrack gets all into the psychology of it. Exactly. And so, for, for me, it's, it, it, it's, it's almost as if, like, the Joker not – I mean – all right. So, at, at the same time, if, you, if, if I wanted to look like Jared Leto, I wouldn't even need to have to look all the, all the all the paint stuff. I would just cover my hair. I would be the Joker with a mask, you know? But that's not what the Joker is. The Joker is this embodiment. He's this outward. He's this Jer- He's this um, Joaquin Phoenix, this uh, Cameron Monaghan, this Jared Leto. Like these look right. like. Jokers. If you're trying to look like the Joker, 
Or if you're just trying to look as handsome as you can. That's a different question. I'm always just trying to look as handsome as okay, I can. Okay, I, I, when I want to play the Joker, there is absolutely nothing about sexy about it. I'm Well, the more violent and dangerous and deranged and bizarre, the more sexy it is. This looks like Hollywood sexy. Like, like sleek, like... This doesn't look like psychotic sexy. This looks like... Or psycho sexy. This looks like a... Yeah, I'm not going for psycho sexy living my everyday life. I'm just going for Hollywood sexy okay. day in, day out. Okay, there we go. That I think that's where we split. Because I, if, if I want to look like the Joker, I got to look like this crazy sexy guy. Like a... I don't want to look like any Joker. I don't even want to look like Jared Leto's Joker. Uh, but if I have to look like a Joker, that's who I'm looking like. Okay, okay. All right. And if I had to look like a Joker for how I want to see it, it would have to be Heath Ledger. I still don't think you're getting this, but all right, we're going to move on to the casting. Cast. You, you get that men want to be him as a segment is the like gender reverse version of the casting couch. Casting couch, we're just talking about who is the hottest chick, you know, in this whole question. Oh, well, by by all means, then Th- this is just our way of saying who is the hottest guy, but not in a gay way. OK, well, then that's absolutely Jerry Leto. Like, I, I would hands down, like, all the others don't even, like, talk about him. Like, in fact, we could go backwards and, like, I can pull out people like Cesar Romero, get rid of him. Jack Nicholson, get rid of him. Uh, I don't even know what camera I'm on a hand. Get rid of him. Uh, Walking Phoenix, nah, doesn't do it for me. It'd be Heath Ledger or Jared Leto, with a, but Heath Ledger without makeup. But Jared Leto, right now, with the way he looks, I would probably... But Heath Ledger without the scars, Yes, what you're saying. Yes, exactly. So we were still saying their actual Joker, not the actor, but the Joker from inside the cinematic universe, not the actor from outside of it. Exactly. So, yeah. All right. Just making sure we've got the rules of the game in our mind going forward. This is the casting couch. No homo. Or, or maybe you are that way. I, I don't know. I've never asked your uh, orientation, but uh, I'm not asking now. I'm just saying coming from me personally, that's how I envision this segment, you know, in the past and going forward, just like, which is the most handsome? Because I always want to look the most handsome myself. So I'm just going to say the most handsome uh, version of the character is the one I'm going to look like. Okay. Yeah. So uh, Then I, I would have to agree with you. I mean, if, if we define it the way you define it, I'd also agree with Jared Leto. All right. Casting couch is going to be a little different this week because really only one actress has portrayed the love interest of the Joker in live action, and that is Margot Robbie, who no matter who else we put in there, she was going to win. Yeah. Of course she was going to win. So we're just going to skip to the second part of the casting couch. Now, we've been asked to cast the character of Bruno for a live action movie of the Batman coming to theaters this year, so... Not someone from like 20 years ago. Not someone who will be good in five years. Just this year, who are you casting as Bruno and why? Okay. Uh, all right. So, um, hmm. Well, I, I, I have to go with now, person now. I mean, uh, honestly, I, I, I picked a person like, you know, I think in history, you know, who would play the perfect Bruno? It would have to be Bridget Nielsen. She has that look like if she had if she could be transported to now, like when she was 20 to now, I think she would play this almost perfect one. Uh, She would be almost asexual to the point of the mission. If it's if it's if it's required for the mission, she'll go along with it. But. um, Yeah, uh, 
Honestly, I, I don't even know what I would pick now. Now, I have an option that uh, I just came across when I was reading an article about how she got banned from Twitch, you know, for being a little bit too sexually provocative accidentally. And that is a streamer by the name of Amaranth. I think that's how you pronounce that. Amaranth. And she has got the blonde hair. She has got the blue eyes. She has got the swelt body with the big boobs. Not quite as big as Bruno, but uh, still... Nothing I'd complain about. Uh, and that, just take a look at these pictures. She is utterly, utterly gorgeous. And I don't think she's got that severe German look to her like uh, Bruno does in the comics. But I wouldn't mind seeing her, you know, shirtless on screen with nothing but some, uh, you know, hateful imagery, you know, over each nipple. I don't care if those are hammers and sickles or swastikas or... Democratic donkeys or whatever offends you. <laughs> well, I think she's just so gorgeous. And I'm hoping she's at Comic-Con right now today. And, oh, and you'll see in one of the pictures, she's wearing a cowboy hat, quite a bit like mine. And she's showing what her breasts look like with only uh, stars over the nipples. So, honestly, in this picture right here, she kind of looks like Lucy Wilde porn star i know exactly who you're talking about uh wait isn't she also named like buffy or something like that something like that like they, they gave her a bunch of names that you can search her yeah no i know exactly who you're talking about as soon as she said porn star like oh yeah there's a semblance there and, and i mean look at those things those are huge that's like what d at least yeah actually she is pretty comic accurate now that i'm looking at them <laughs> that's perfect and she's got the stars, like, right where the the other insignia would be. Yeah, that thing. Yep. All right. So that brings us to our final segment, which, as always, starts with, so I'm at the bar. And I just started seeing this girl that I, like, matched with on Tinder, and we had one date or something like that, far from exclusive. She must have been busy that night or something, or we had just gone out like we needed a few days before seeing each other again. So I'm stag, and it's a pretty crowded room. It's karaoke, which that is my time to shine right there. And I see this uh, pretty girl, and I'm not going to let one date you know, with this other girl stop me from hitting on someone that I could be even more compatible with. Like, ain't no ring on my finger. So, after I catch her glancing at me, I go up to her as she's trying to put her drink in the bar. I'm like, let me buy this round. We get to talking. We get to dancing. We get to grinding. I get her phone number. You know, it's a pretty damn good night. The, o- the only kink in the whole night, actually, is where she goes to the bathroom and this 22-year-old uh, college senior comes running off to me. Hey, cowboy, you come here alone tonight? And I, I had to, like, turn her down like eh, maybe another night uh you and i can hook up i'm already with someone tonight so that that was the only bad part of that night having to turn down uh, a hot chick who was inviting me to like this party and went oh and anyway moving on from that portion of it so i wake up the next morning i actually must have got the hot chicks number two uh and several others because there are four brand new phone numbers in my phone and none of them have names attached to them and so I just start texting out, uh, howdy, like, uh, you going to be at karaoke next time? 
you know, just something innocuous just to start a conversation so that I can gather up all the various clues to figure out which one was the one that, you know, I'd been grinding on that I said, hey, look, we're going to go out on a real date. And she's like, yeah. So eventually, after all morning, like, piecing together the context clues, I figure out, like, which girl belongs to which number. It's a very fun mini game that the Game of Life created for me. I got to say that one. So she and I, we go out. It ends very well. Like, uh, but then the other girl from Tinder, she wants to keep going out. And this other one that I met at the bar wants to keep going out. And... There's really no time or reason to break up with either of them. It's all brand new. It's not exclusive. You know, we haven't said the exclusive word yet, at least. So about a week after all this, it just so happens that I have a date with one one night and a date with another the next. And the date on Saturday night ended so well that come Sunday morning, we're going at it again for like the fourth or fifth time. And less than 12 hours later, the date's already going so well with the next one that going at it again. And that big old pack of condoms that I bought uh, is dwindling down and it's almost gone. And so, yeah, one Sunday within a 12-hour period, I went all the way with two women. And I don't know if there's a word for that. It's not like a, a threesome. I thought maybe calling it a cheater's threesome or whatnot. But I decided the perfect term the double header back to back where you get to the plate and in that double header I hit a home run each game until I actually have a threesome and win the belt as they called it in how I met your mother that is going to be one of my prouder accomplishments the double header also going for a perfect week one day that is a different girl seven days in a row one day I'd like to see myself as Barney Stenson, but with a cowboy hat instead of a suit. And real. Yeah, I was just thinking, maybe maybe you could possibly get like a, a grand slam. That's why where the bases are loaded and then you knock one out of the park. Wouldn't a grand slam be like a five-some with four girls? Uh, No, 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 because y- you do a double header, right? One right after the other? Oh, right. no, actually, yeah, you're right, you're right. A grand slam. I'm liking this term. A grand slam. Grand slam. Because here's the thing, you when you go every time you go up bat, there was no the bases weren't loaded. In fact, there was nobody on any bases. Right. I'm not even sure what the bases loaded would mean. I know what the bases mean, like in the sex metaphor. But how do you have bases loaded? Are are you like making out with one and getting the second with another and getting third with another girl? I guess that would have to be it, right? Well, I mean, when you when you go for a... But now on, put this in an urban dictionary, y'all. Base is loaded. French kissing one girl, getting to second with another, and getting fellatio from a third. All right, and I think we ought to end it there. So you can find us uh, on Facebook, Super Sexy Podcast. You can find us on uh, Gmail, uh Super sexy podcast at gmail.com and you can find us on Twitter, Super Sexy Pod. Uh, reach us anyway. Uh, we'd love to read one of your emails on the air. And until next time, see y'all. See ya.